Greetings, Webcology listeners. The ecosystem of the web marketing world is always changing. Technology, and more importantly, radio is evolving. Introducing the next evolution of radio technology for web marketers, the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Listen live, download new shows daily, and stay connected through our social media network. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play now. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and, well, Dave's not here. Uh, Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO is in Vancouver on a, well, on a class trip with his kid to Playland to study some, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. We're joined by two guest hosts today. We have Christine Schastinger, who's a partner at The Vetters. Now, the vetters, they, uh, well, they tear apart your websites after you've been hit by a penalty. Uh, they do SEO services, site audits, etc., especially relating to websites that have been hit by penalty issues. Christine Sassinger is on the show frequently. Um, it usually talks about um, hacking, malware, and issues around cybersecurity and privacy. Christine, thanks for jumping in. Welcome to Webcology. We also have Miranda Miller. Miranda is content creator, consultant, and a consultant at MirandaMiller.com. Uh, writer, former writer with Search Engine Watch. You've all read her stuff. And uh, Miranda, thanks for jumping in, and welcome to Webcology. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. So um, this is kind of a gumbo show. We don't have any other guests besides your fine selves. And uh, we're just going to be talking, you know, just one of those shows where we just talk about stuff that happened in the last week in the in the industry. I... Uh, Dave and I usually do this um, every every couple of weeks just to sort of let off steam, eh? Because it's uh, it's hard sitting in front of the monitor week after week after week and seeing all this crazy stuff just go past and not making comment on it. That's the theme of today's show, some of the crazy stuff that's happening out there. Again, Dave is at Playland in Vancouver with... He's, he's uh, what's he doing there? <laughs> We lose Jim. Me. I think he might have jumped out for a sec there. <laughs> well, he should be there, but yes, it looks like Jim. Uh, well, I guess we called you as new female co-host now. Here we go. <laughs> Take it All right, over, Christine. What are we going to do first? <laughs> well, I guess I could answer that question first, and that is, uh, Dave is at Playland with his uh, son studying physics. At least that's what they call it. <laughs> I think it's more like studying gravity. There's trampolines and stuff there, right? Eh? That sounds like really hard work. It is. It must be. <laughs> um, folks listening at home, we might be experiencing technical difficulties throughout the show. Sometime uh, in that last last few seconds, I got disconnected, reconnected really fast. So just uh, just warning you, and uh, warning Amanda, uh, Miranda and uh, and Christine. I might get disconnected suddenly. Let's just let's jump in and see what we can get covered. Okay. So, right about last uh, last week at uh, this time, all the fun stuff happens just after the show gets off the air or on Friday. 
Uh, last week, right around this time, Danny Sullivan released a letter, an open letter, to uh, Incisive Media regarding their rebranding effort. There, as you know, listeners know, uh, Incisive Media owns the show that used to be known as Search Engine Strategies. It's now called Click Z Live. Basically, it's, it's the same show. They, they, I guess they changed the name so that they could sort of expand the content as the digital marketing world, uh, as, it, as it expands. Well, Danny was the founder of SES, of Search Engine Strategies, founder of um, its attendant newspaper, Search Engine Watch, as well. He, uh, he left Incisive Media, or he left uh, the organization just after Incisive Media purchased it about seven years ago, started his own, his own organization, Third Door Media, which uh, produces the Search Engine Expo series of conferences. So he's now a competitor from his pulpit at Search Engine Land with, uh, with his old company. Christine Miranda, w- w- what did you think of Danny's, uh, Danny's take on the rebranding of SES? Well, for, just full disclosure here, I've worked on contract with Incisive on and off over the last three years, uh, most recently with Clixy until January. So I was really surprised when I read this. Um, I know not everyone agreed with the rebranding, but I didn't think it would be reversed so quickly. Um, I did reach out to someone at Incisive to ask, is this true? Is this what's going on? And they explained that the larger conferences are going to stay Clixy, but they're starting up a new brand of SES conferences that are going to be smaller, shorter, more regional conferences, and they will be search-focused. Okay. Um, Christine, what did, you, what did you think of the letter itself, of the, of the tone of what Danny had to say? Um, I, I think you could just, uh, when, you, when you read it, it can be taken different ways, but I, I think a lot of it's just um, maybe stating what he really felt as opposed to being completely politically correct. So, okay, so uh, Danny, Danny wasn't dancing around his words or hiding behind the keyboard. He was just being right out there. I, I got that feeling. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you met him in person for a beer, it might be even a little bit more, um, you know, uh, blunt and honest. But I do feel it was it was uh, definitely less uh, news and more opinion of his, okay, well, his thoughts on things, personally. Let's step back from, uh, from Danny's letter itself and just talk about the rebranding effort. Um, Miranda, you were you were there when they were when they were going down with this. I, I don't want you to tell tales at a school or anything, but um, why the rebrand? What what do you think? Why did they do that? Well, I think more than wanting to expand into these different areas, they were already in different areas. So they were instead of just covering SEO, they've added so many different columns over the years: um, social media, mobile, all kinds of stuff. So I think the click Z rebrand from the SES brand was sort of plain catch-up. But it left a lot of us scratching our heads. It SES, did. Search Engine Strategies, was an incredible brand. Um, the brand well, and they had already rebranded once from Search Engine Strategies to SES. So SES mm-hmm. was supposed to be that more all-encompassing, you know, that was a few years ago. So moving to Clixie Live, I know they wanted to bring their properties together, I didn't quite get it. I think a lot of people didn't get it, but it is what it is, and it went. And well, you mentioned something that actually I, I find kind of concerning: the rebranding from searching to strategies to SES was supposed to be, as, as you said, that all-encompassing 
we're expanding our focus and taking in social and taking in um, direct and taking in all other forms of, of digital marketing. And attendance numbers have been going down, and the trade show floor has been shrinking, even after they did that all-encompassing rebrand. Why would Click Z? What is it about that that's going to be the, the secret sauce, the magic pill, the, the, the great formula? I really, I have no idea, um, but I'm, I don't think it's just SES. Other shows that I've been to seem to be shrinking, especially the Expo Hall. Like the SMX last year in Toronto was, I think Danny actually sold that to someone to run the Canadian show. But if there were 200 people there between both SMX and a partner conference, I can't remember which one that was. Jim, do you know? Yeah, it was uh, the e-consultancy. Yeah, I mean, it was tiny. I don't even know if there was an expo hall. There was a couple people set up in booths in the hallway. But it just seems like across internet marketing and SEO, at least the shows that I've been going to, they're... A lot of them seem to be struggling. Christine, um, have you had that experience, uh, declining attendance at shows and such? I think it depends on the show. Um, PubCon's definitely not in fine. Uh, when I went to Iceland, they actually, I know it's a small conference of a couple hundred, but they actually had more attendees, and being that it's Iceland, pretty much everyone had to travel there. Um, so it, I think it kind of depends on the show, the show focus, and, and what they're doing to uh, cross... In, in my opinion, across uh, skill levels. One of the problems that SES had was um, I sat in a room one time and they asked, how many people is it your first, your second, your third? Once I got to third year and fourth year, it dropped off to almost nothing because the content didn't address those that had more advanced skill sets. And I think uh, if people are not moving and changing with the audience, um, then they're they're suffering. And if they are, then they're, they're doing pretty well. And I think that's kind of the difference. It feels like it's... A time when the, uh, you know, there's there's not as as much money flowing around the economy. Um, some of the larger houses, Google, uh, Yahoo, MSN, they or I should say live. Oh no, Bing. I'm sorry. Maybe Bing still has something to prove, but Yahoo and uh, and Google, they have nothing to prove anymore. Facebook has nothing to prove. They are established entities. They don't really need our community as much as we need them. Could that be a reason why they're staying away? I don't know that I totally agree with that. I mean, Google has their um, Learn with Google track now at SES. And I have had some talks with um, both Google and Facebook over the last two years. And and LinkedIn, too, actually. I went for lunch with a girl from LinkedIn. And they're struggling to get their educational and instructional material to connect with people. So they put together these awesome resources, and nobody reads them. So at a few different places I've worked... Um, we've talked to them about, you know, media partnerships or some some way that we could help them get the word out, but nothing's really clicked yet. Well, if it's education, I mean, seriously, if it's if it's really just education, there's um there's a new initiative that actually, well, Miranda, you're you're the one who turned me on to this. <laughs> I had no idea about this until earlier today, and it kind of bothers me, though I don't know why Google doesn't try it. It's called CodeBabes. Oh, dear God. Com. Well, oh. Miranda, you know what? You're the one who turned me on to it. You're the one who just reacted, so you're the one who gets to <laughs> Go for it, please. Uh, I don't know. How do I what explain it? What the hell? What? Uh, I can. What the hell is right? <laughs> so you learn to code by getting these models to take their clothes off as you get the answers right. Except, I mean, there's so many problems with this. 
strippers uh, as teachers in coding. I mean, okay, no, yeah. we don't have a sexist problem in tech. No, not at all. You're, you're, you're not trying to say that strippers couldn't be coders. You're just trying to say that they shouldn't be coders while stripping. I'm saying that we shouldn't be promoting the objectification of women in tech by making them a reward for getting a coding question right. Okay, so just to, to um, sort of explain what Codebabes is, it's a learning website where um, you can register and, and, and pay to take courses on a um, variety of subjects. There's PHP, basic HTML, um, MySQL, a number of other, number of other uh, topics. I believe that there's going to be an SEO course taught through there soon. As you progress through the courses from beginner to intermediate to advanced, the models, your teachers start removing items of clothing. Kind of like naked news without the weather. Uh, without the full moon at the end. Um, yeah. I can see how, <laughs> I can see how um, some people would be attracted to this form of learning. But more, more, moreover, I can see how, again, it's, it's objectifying and uh, almost trivializes the, 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 um, the act of learning. Well, and it's crazy. No one even knows if it's satire or if it was meant to be real or what the heck is going on here. Um, the Twitter account connected with the website has tweeted out some some pretty proud things about how much activity they're getting and how much page views and blah, blah, blah. Um, but On the Media called it the worst thing on the Internet last week. Fast Company said, we can't tell if it's real, but we hope not. Um, Gizmodo said, this is everything that's wrong with tech culture plus strippers. So no one's really impressed about it, but we still don't even know, is it supposed to be a joke? But the sad thing is, it could be real, and people just don't know. Well, Gizmodo also wrote about, a, um, I guess, an alternative, a uh, <laughs> equalization, if you will, um, equal opportunities answer to code babes, and they called it code dicks. Yeah, and the way I figured, created code dicks. So I guess that goes from... Um, from uh, the very basic, which is kind of flaccid, to the kind of complicated, which I guess would be called hard. <laughs> right, right. And but this one, there are no stripping instructors. Um, it's that one is strictly satire. Okay, code dicks. So before is you get your hopes satire. up, before you get your hopes up, there are no actual. Yeah. Now. Before you get anything else up uh, by going to Code Babes, remember, you have to learn something first. But um, are you going to? On Hacker News, a bunch of people are pointing out all the factual inaccuracies. So if they were actually trying to teach coding, apparently they're not doing it very well because a lot of the answers are wrong. I really want to make a Python joke about Code Dex. <laughs> I so badly want to I can't, can't get, my head, get my head around it. Oh, no. Um, yeah, okay, because... I just can't get my head around this Python joke I want to make around codedicks.com. We're going to, have to take a break here at Web College Joe, webmasterradio.fm. Try to sort ourselves out here after our code babe experience. I'll be in my bunk. Um, in the meantime, uh, we have these messages from our sponsors. Uh, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Miranda Miller from MirandaMiller.com and Christine Sassinger, partner at The Vetters. Listen to Web College and WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Web College. We'll be back after this short break. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. On demand anytime inside the entertainment channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercial's off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Well, kinda. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Dave's not here. Uh, Dave Davies <laughs> from Beachlock SEO is off in Vancouver teaching his kid about gravity at Clayland. Um, we, we have Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. That's me. Uh, Miranda Miller from MirandaMiller.com and Christine Sassingers from The Vetters. Before we jump into our next topic, which is going to be Matt Cuts being Matt Cuts, I want to uh, do a little bit of program, a little programming note here. I want to congratulate the SEO rock stars. That's Darren Babin and uh, Chris Boggs, for those who don't know. Uh, SEO guru and Boggles. They got a new rock star on SEO rock stars, which is, which is appearing on Webmaster Radio again every Tuesday at, I think, 2 p.m. It might be 4. Sorry, at uh, 1 p.m. every Tuesday on Webmaster Radio. Jim Boykin. The internet marketing ninja himself, Jim Boykin, is now one of the SEO rock stars, and he appears weekly on Webmaster Radio with uh, Darren Babin and Chris Boggs. Listen for it. You know, it, it used to be our number one show. Listen listen for it, please. <laughs> um, okay. Matt Cut has uh, been on a video kick again, which is way cool. Now, last week, I, 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 remember, I remember addressing this. It could have been on Facebook. It could have been on Webcology. Um, you know how it gets when you get older. Maybe you don't, but you will. If you're lucky, you forget stuff. Um, and I've forgotten if I talked about this last week or not. But did um, Miranda and Christine, did either of you see the bodiless Matt Cuts talk about the bodaciousness of good content? 
I did. Matt in his green screen. <laughs> it was pretty tricky. I thought yeah, it was I saw it yeah. Um, what do you think? Like, uh, but I mean, aside from Matt enjoying the the, the wonders of special effects, um, what do you think of the man's message? I think if there are absolute beginners that need to be told that meta keywords are not important and you should have body text, then it's a really great thing. I I thought was interesting was um, he he kind of said keywords are still important, which is kind of what they've been getting away from. Um. In their, in a lot of their stuff, right? Right, content for hummingbird. It's long tail. It's, it's all, uh, it's contextualized. It's supposedly uh, semantic, which it's not. And uh, then it, and then in that very short little video, he basically says, "Make sure you put keywords in your content, or we can't tell what it is." So I thought that was an interesting take. You know, half half my keywords are wasted on my content, but since Google's made changes, I just don't know which half, eh? <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think I get. I-, I know what he was getting at with the keywords comment, um, and this is one of the problems with the lexicon we use in the industry. We have way too many homonyms, words that sound exactly the same but mean totally different things. <laughs> we just have way too many of them. Um, I don't think. We're still a keyword-driven industry, even though we can't see the keywords themselves. Correct. I remember a, a few years back, Jill Whalen, the, 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 she, she's left the industry uh, in the last year, but Jill was the reigning queen of SEO at one time, and um, she wrote a really cool article called The Zen of SEO, where she said straight up, I don't do, I don't do a lot of keyword research, I just know. My stomach just tells me. And, uh, and sometimes I, just fi- I figure Google read that article and just took it way too seriously. <laughs> There's truth to that, I think. <laughs> um, what Matt was getting at is be sure that you're getting descriptive words in there, words that describe the topic of the page that people might be using when searching for the information found on the page. But you just can't get them. I'm surprised to use the word keyword because I thought that was a dirty word at Google. Well, Me too. he didn't. He didn't say make sure you use keywords. There's actually a transcript on Web Pro News. Um, he said a lot of people are focusing on the descriptions and meta keywords, but make sure you have text. So I took it more as sort of a, a slap against infographics and pages that lack any text whatsoever. And uh, infographics. Oh, sorry, Christine. Um, no, I was just saying that. Um, that I think he was. He's more trying to get people away from optimizing again fairly for the keyword, but yeah, although he doesn't use the word keyword, he, he infers it with with what he says. So um, He's basically telling you if you don't have words on the page, uh, and he says words that really match on the page, and it's going to be hard for us to return the page to users. So that's like, you can call it, I guess, something else, but that's basically a keyword. So I think he's saying that you can't just write content and be descriptive, um, you have to use ones that people are searching for because uh, there's been that whole content movement that if you just write content, they'll come. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think it was anything really earth-shattering. It was kind of... It was a, a fun trick he was doing with his head, but the content was... It's really 
Everybody knows this by now, right? So he said it was just a reminder of public service announcement. Oddly, though, we do see a lot in audits that people, uh, people don't actually seem to focus on it. So they focus a lot on marketing copy, and they focus a lot on putting big forms and graphics at the head of the page. And then uh, they seem to forget the idea that you actually need content to go with it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that he wanted people to understand you can't just optimize the description and the title tag and expect to rank well or position well, we call it positioning. Position right. well um, if you're not putting words on the page as well that people need to find. And a so, lot of websites have these pretty sliders and they have lots of awesome images and that, but that can't be all there is because Google can't tell what that is. Exactly. And the truth is uh, people, that takes real quick, not to divert too much because I know Jim's getting back here in a second, but the page layout algorithm isn't just about ads anymore. It's about uh, a, lot, a lot of graphic at the top of the page that isn't very meaningful for users. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it is now past just the ad stage. And that's what a lot of people do. They put a lot of graphics at the top, and then they just throw in some content at the bottom. By the way, don't worry about Jim coming back. You two are doing just fine on your own. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going I'm to go take a nap, actually. <laughs> I didn't want to get too off course into the whole page layout algorithm there, but I just I figured it was worth mentioning. Uh, oh, hell, go for stuff. it. That, that's how the gumbo shows go. They go where they go. Well, I thought well, next you might want to go to Matt's We Won't Devalue Links Anytime Soon video, because that's an interesting one that came out this week. I do want to go to Matt's We Won't Google Won't Devalue Links Anytime Soon Let's video. Let's go there. Um, so, folks listening at home, check out searchengineWatch.com. I think three or four articles down as of, as of today, uh, uh, Thursday um, the 8th of May, is a, a Jennifer Slag article about Google, about a, a, a video Matt Cutts put out, Google won't devalue links soon. And in it, he says, I think backlinks still have many, many years left, left in them, but inevitably, what we're trying to do is figure out how an expert user would say this particular page matched their information needs. Sometimes backlinks matter for that. Well, I guess my first question that I want to put up to both of you is, why are we having this conversation in the first place? What's, um, what's the question about devaluing? Why are we talking about devaluing links? Uh, link building has become like a, a dirty word, and uh, people think that they don't matter as much anymore. Again, related to the content is everything kind of thinking. So mm-hmm. I've had actually people call me and tell me, they have removed their entire backlinks program because they heard Matt Cutts doesn't like backlinks anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, are you, are you ranking poorly? And they're like, no, we're in the top three. But we fired our firm because we know it's bad. So Matt's message apparently has been getting out there, but maybe a little too well. <laughs> and not having backlinks also hurts Google because then they can't you know, appropriately discover the pages and the relationships between them. Yeah, and along those lines, I think if we're talking about devaluing links, we have to talk about this craze for no-following links. And I've had some real lively debates about this on Twitter, but it's gone absolutely nuts. The no-follow, like no-follow everything, entire websites saying that we will have no-followed links on our site. And I think it's just absolutely crazy. Which actually, Matt has come out and said that that's a negative. If you're not linking out to the, um, they did it at a conference, Uh, if you're not linking out to other websites at all, uh, that's just as unnatural as if you had, you know, exactly. pointing towards a porn site or whatever. So, <laughs> And I think people yeah. are just really confused. And 
they hear one thing that Matt says and everybody grasps onto it and it's like a bad game of telephone as it works its way around the web and everybody goes nuts and then and, but they're doing things like really drastic things saying you're not going to have any followed links off your entire site is that really it's absurd it is absurd people do it I so but Google is not being open with people and telling them what it is they need to do well years ago when um when Google started talking about its PageRank algorithm and explaining that a link is to be considered a positive vote, they created a commodity. They created a problem that it's taken them this long to try to dig themselves out of. And now I'm wondering, has their cure been as bad as the, as the initial disease, as the initial problem? Are they creating a worse, uh, another problem for themselves now that people are, you know, disavowing links entirely, making pages 100% no-follow, or, or as you said, Miranda, just not knowing what to do? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely creating a problem for Google because we know where they want to go, and they know where they want to go, but they're not there yet, and they don't have the, the tools, the alternative tools. They still really heavily rely on links. But these scare tactics and getting everyone all worked up about it is working against them because then what do they have to read? What are they using as, as signal? Christine, what do you think about that? I mean, you know how Google works. Are they cutting their own foot? Uh, I think in some ways, definitely. Um, and Matt did say at SMX, I think it was a year before last, that they would be doing links for at least 10 more years in how they thought it was going to play out. So... They're not definitely not going away anytime soon, um, but I think yeah they are. I I do think the disavow uh, movement. This is just my own personal thought. There's nothing to back it up. Uh, will disappear over time, just because it takes a lot of resources for them to do that, and they're really using it to to pull out data that they couldn't pull out with the algorithm about link spammers and and link networks. So over time they'll they'll, they'll probably just go mea culpa. That's hurting small business, so let's go back to the way it used to be. We'll just devalue them once they get enough data. If I, if I can interrupt really quickly, Christine, I want to stay on that point for a second about, about the real reason they had the disavow feature. Last week, my company had two inquiries from small businesses who had disavowed everything. They just went and blanket disavowed every link in their website, and now they're in trouble. What do they do next? Um... I think it should be really clear why the disavow tool exists. And it wasn't so that you could conveniently disavow links. It was for, as you said, Christine? Data. It was so Google could learn more about bad players in the environment. And as Christine said, so it could extract information or data that it wasn't able to get any other way, except by having somebody basically rat on themselves or on their neighbors. Now, I, I don't want to use the word rat. I don't, you know, I don't want to say that we shouldn't be informing Google about bad players in our environment. But we have to use these tools very judiciously, and we have to know who benefits the most when these tools are used. And I can guarantee you, if Google gives you something as a tool, chances are it's the primary beneficiary. Well, yeah, and if you look at it, people forget that Google is not just Google search, but Google is a registrar on a DNS, right? So they have access to all those records. So when you start turning in a disavow, it doesn't take them very long if that a couple sites show up over and over again 
to start linking those together through those back channels and then finding link networks and taking entire link networks down. So um, they couldn't do that as easily when all they were doing is using the algorithm to try to, to, de to decipher that. Uh, when I do forensics, you know, that's one of the way I look for things is getting to the DNS level and owners and name servers. And I know they do, that's how they do it as well. So. Okay. Um, we're going to have to take a break in a few minutes. We have time, I think, for one more quickie. Here's a weird one. Did, uh, did you guys hear about what happened with um, a Google spokesperson at a, uh, a uh, tech conference in San Francisco last week? Yeah, this is a really weird one. And Google sad. hasn't come out and said anything yet. But this guy's actually worked for Google twice. He calls himself a, a battle-scarred warrior. Like, he's been in the industry a really long time, actually. He's um, spoken at South by Southwest, um, at Stanford, Mobile Commerce World, Euroforum. Like, he is kind of a big deal. But what he did at this conference, he apparently, half an hour before the show, realized he was only going to be speaking in front of 50 people and stormed out and told a woman at the registration desk, I am Google. I do not speak to small groups. Like, who yeah. does that? Well, it's also, Scott invited Jensen. Himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Scott Jensen was speaking at the Internet of Things Expo um, at the Marriott Hotel in uh, San Francisco on Fisherman's Wharf, and um, he got, apparently he got really ticked off upon discovering that after inviting himself to speak at the conference um, back on uh, April 28th, he tweeted the organizers saying, hey, do you got an opening? you got a speaker slot open? So after inviting himself, he gets really ticked off that his audience is tiny, pulls a hissy fit 30 minutes before uh, before he's scheduled to go on stage, and storms out, and, 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 and to, as Miranda said, um, telling, the, telling the poor person at the registration desk, could you imagine sitting at the registration desk having this guy come screaming at you, I am Google, I am out of here. Like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Let me get people off the street for you. Yeah. It's just an outrageous way to behave. You just don't do that. Given generally, Google people don't act that way. So No. Yeah, it would, it, I would. There's a couple other companies I could see that behavior coming from, but generally, Google people. I've been at conferences where the room's only, you know, fifty, seventy-five, hundred people, and and uh, you know, Matt Cutts has been there, and and they've had other people come. So, uh, you know, just because of the the way the session's laid out or something. So, I I think that's just an unusual, unfortunately, person with a bad temper. Maybe. Well, just so you know, Mr. Jensen, these things don't go unnoticed or unmentioned. Um, not cool, dude. Really, I don't care. You are Google. That's great. We really admire you for what you've accomplished. But <laughs> not cool, dude. Okay, friends, it's 25 minutes to the hour. We're going to have to take a break here on WebCology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 8th of May, 2014. I'm joined by, with, well, I'm joined by Miranda Miller from com and Christine Sashinger from The Vetters. You're listening to Webcology. We'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. And a bit. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! 
How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 18th Annual International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 30th, 2014. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing. I'm Maria Retan. This is Glenn English. This is Tim Ash. James and Arlene Martell here. This is Ross Dunn. And this is John Carcutt. This is Dish Ramachandran. This is Bennett Kelly. This is Jillian Music. From SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry. Please join me in welcoming Andrew Hayford. Pleased to have Jim Lanzone. Please welcome Ariana Huffington. Please welcome Jason Calcanis. On air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 8th of May, 2014. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and I'm joined by Kristen Sassinger from The Vetters and, and Miranda Miller from Miranda-Miller.com. Now, uh, listeners, I, exp- I, I, I made a mistake. I noted that Miranda's site was MirandaMiller.com. I was wrong. It's Miranda-Miller.com. Now, if you go to MirandaMiller.com, it's, it's empty. I understand it used to be a porn site or something, but they took everything down. <laughs> Miranda-Miller.com is the site of the world-famous consultant. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> and he, he just tried to help, Miranda. Just tried to help. Um, speaking of trying to help, I mean, like, seriously, you'd think that we could finally get some help after how many years from the U.S. government, but, like, no. Okay. We've been having this debate on net neutrality on, on Webcology and in the, the web uh, world for um, ever, since the beginning of the web. Now, for the most part, 
we've had a, tra- a tradition that all data is created and treated equally by data carriers. It doesn't ma- it didn't matter if the data originated in Romania, in Australia, or in Los Angeles. It would be broadcast across the interwebs equally without impedance. Any legal data was considered equal until very recently. Earlier this year, the FTC put out a what it called a compromise decision on net neutrality. See, last year, a U.S. appeals court basically killed that loose agreement called net neutrality by ruling that the uh, FTC, or the, I'm sorry, the FCC, did not have the jurisdiction to tell the the carriers, AT&T and, and Verizon, etc., to tell them what to do with their lines. Since the U.S. Appeals Court knocked down the net neutrality law, the, F- the FCC has been scrambling to come up with a compromise, and the large corporate data carriers have been scrambling to come up with ways to make some more money. The one that, we, that most of us know of is charging services like Netflix a premium to have uh, open, unimpeded broadcast across across the, the, the open web. Well, <laughs> this week, the, F- the FCC has released um, what it sees as its compromise. Christine, can you take it from here? Because i got to tell you, it's gotten to the point where I barely understand this stuff. Well, you know, I haven't seen their latest statement, so I I can't speak, unfortunately, to specifically what was in it. Uh, But, yeah, the the problem we have is uh, basically they're going to allow the creation of fast lanes uh, like Netflix is going to direct connect to Comcast to get speed while at the same time imposing uh, the lack of net neutrality uh, environment on the rest of us. So... To simply put, if you're a small company or startup and you need speed, um, you're going to pay a lot of extra for it if you can have it at all. And then uh, big companies will be able to pay to directly line in to the ISP providers. And what people have to be aware of is these ISPs now can also decide what goes through these lines. um, And so if they have a competitor they don't want to show you, or and a lot of these are broad uh, media companies too, they're not just cable companies. Uh, then they can prevent you from seeing that that content or that information. And net neutrality allows us to keep open data free and accessible to everybody um, of all types and sorts. And that is what the internet was kind of built on. You only just put out there real quick, uh, Jim. You only have uh, eight days left to make a comment before the decision um, is begun. So okay, so what we have today is not set in stone. It's still it's still a, a somewhat fluid situation. Tom Wheeler, the uh, the chair of the FCC, can go either direction, and we can still lobby him. Is that what you're saying? Yes, definitely. You have until the 15th to make comments on the FCC site or to you know, log in on some of these larger petitions. Um, and then there, there are people actually protesting right now at the FCC who have actually gone down and, and, and done that. So if you're in that area, uh, you, you have that option as well. Why was the FCC pushed to the position where it had to um, basically 
where, where, where the law it had passed in 2010, the official net neutrality laws, why was it put in a position by the Court of Appeals to pull back, to, to, to pull back from those laws or have those laws um, overridden, overruled? Uh, it was, and you probably know a little more detail about this than I do because I haven't read it in a couple weeks. But And you have to go back and keep rereading because you're right, it gets jumbled in your mind after a while. But basically it's around the idea of common carrier laws. So it's more that, that there's just a big loophole that allows them to act in this manner. Um, and what people forget, uh, the ones that are, are pro, hey, it's business, let them do what they want, is that they were given these companies huge tax breaks to um, to be allowed to have access to the lines as they were with the promise that they would improve them. They don't want to improve them and they don't want to put the money into that, so they found a loophole to get around it. And that would be to make more money off of uh, the consumer and the companies that want to use the net and not doing anything they originally agreed to. I've used the example in the past, and um, long-time listeners to the show know that my, my regular co-host, Dave Davies, and I have a long-running argument around net neutrality. I've been a net neutrality proponent as long as I've understood the concept of it. Dave, on the other hand, is a, uh, you know, he owns a growing business, a couple of growing businesses, and he really values the freedom of, you know, working in an environment where the government is is pretty hands-off. He's tended against net neutrality. Um, it's, a, it's, it's difficult arguing this without him here because, you know, I'm just, I don't, uh, don't want to argue behind his back, although we know that Dave is at Playland in, um, in Vancouver right now playing with gravity, and I fear that history is... is um, well, history is is driving his argument down faster than gravity is pulling him down on a zip line today. <laughs> I, uh, well, and he where can this go to? He has softened his opinion on on it now that it's gone this direction. So uh, the direction that was entirely and completely predictable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why don't people get this? Why why isn't why isn't there an outcry? I, I remember two years ago against the. Um, the uh, SOPA provisions, um, extra cybersecurity provisions, there was hue and outcry. Websites were going dark to protest the imposition of the of these new cybersecurity rules. But when it comes to something fundamental like net neutrality, like the de-equalization of data, no one seems to care. Why is that? Honestly, I think they don't know what it is, and they don't feel personally affected. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this, Jim, but the CRTC got Rogers in a lot of trouble in Canada two years ago. You have to understand that if, if you don't have net neutrality, it can go both ways. You can have these fast lanes, but you can also have ISPs choking online traffic. So what Rogers was doing was identifying heavy gamers, and they were slowing their connection down. So the uh, Online Gaming Association actually took them to the CRTC, and they were found guilty of violating Canada's policies for net neutrality. So I think if more people understood that you can be personally affected and it's not just a big business problem, because let's face it, nobody really feels sorry for big business. I mean, it's just not in us to get all hyper and excited about that. Um, I think they just don't understand the the effect it could have on everyone down the road. Well, to... To uh, add to that, I mean, we, we've talked about small business and entrepreneurs. You know, the next YouTube will have a much harder time um, achieving 
that kind of viewership when their videos come down like a uh, stop-motion animation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about folks like you or like us who rely on the on an open internet to get any form of information. But as Christine said, um, if Comcast doesn't like like something that Time Warner has done, they might just block it. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be worse than that too. If you think about it, it could also be political as well, right? So, um, well, there's, there's the there's the example of Eddie Vedder from the band Pearl Jam saying something against uh, then President George Bush at a Lollapalooza in Chicago. Comcast blocked that, blocked that statement in their in their uh, podcast. And now legally, they could block the entire any reference to it. So you wouldn't even know right. it existed. Yeah, so something that happened that's there on the web suddenly didn't happen because it's not there on the web anymore. Hmm. Um, and, and, and lastly, we've, uh, we just mentioned that you know certain content might be badly degraded. So you know those last two episodes of Breaking Bad that you really want to watch on Netflix? Well, my advice is watch them soon. Um, before it takes Jesse Pinkman like... 30 seconds to raise his gun arm. <laughs> and it should be said that even though Netflix is creating this line with Comcast as a business issue, as a business mm-hmm. goal, um, they are still uh, a big proponent of net neutrality and are trying oh, to uh, yeah, assist with that. Um, indeed. I, I, if you don't mind me mentioning, Christine, uh, Netflix did sort of knuckle under to Comcast and is paying a premium to Com- to Comcast to get free open uh, to get free open wires they did so under 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 protest and mostly because they had to or their service would have degraded so badly that um, their their rivals HBO and uh, Amazon now would knock them out of the water awfully fast I didn't mean to interrupt, but I did want to get that in, that Netflix oh. did pay the fee, but did so under protest. No, that's okay. Um, the one thing I did want to mention in this whole discussion is people also aren't aware that, that people like Comcast or... Uh, Comcast is the number one of the largest voices, so I'll just stick with that, I guess. But um, it's not like they put in all these lines themselves and they had to pay for it and they're not getting their money back and that's what's happening. These lines exist. Um, they, they were supposed to... Imp- They've probably they've added to them over time for their own needs, but the actual main backbone of the internet existed, and they were supposed to help improve it, which they didn't. So they made millions, hundreds of millions of dollars off of the internet, and now instead of doing what they're supposed to, um, you know, is is now trying to charge people more. Uh, the thing is, though, it's not like they put the lines in originally. It's not like they're on a loss here. So yeah. Oh, it's awful. That, 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 that makes me really angry because, again, this is the environment that we rely on. If it changes, if it goes away, if it, if it even alters, that puts our work in peril. Uh, it puts our working environment in peril. And, um, yeah, it just it's unnecessary. It's absolutely unnecessary. But it's definitely a, a challenge to us. Christine, if people want to send a message to the FCC, where should they do that? Uh, they can actually go to the FCC itself and leave a comment. Um, and then I would look at, uh, I don't have the petition uh, name itself right here, but 
Uh, White House Take Up petitions, the EFF has a petition, and Change.org has a, um, several petitions. Look at the one that has the most signatures. There's one that had over 500,000 yesterday signatures on it. So those are the three places I would say you can leave your voice the, the best outside the FCC, and then definitely leave a comment at the FCC. Okay, we got, uh, we're got. we rounded out to the end of the hour. We have, I believe, about four, maybe five minutes left. Um, I guess this, this is the last, last thing we're going to be able to touch. A story was out last week, um, apparently from a ex-Google AdWords employee. It was called Google AdSense Leak? Question mark. I remember seeing this on Facebook, and I kind of flipped out about it last week, and I immediately started writing people. The, the bottom line to this to this uh, the statement that was put out, Google AdSense leak, is uh, that Google was severely scamming publishers by finding a reason to cancel their accounts, to cancel high-paying accounts, usually towards the end of the month after a huge payout had accrued. So... Google would have, according to this memo, to this to this quote-unquote leak, Google would have served a gajillion ads across many, many different websites. And just before they were supposed to pay out the publisher, they would find a reason to cancel the publisher's account, which automatically cancels that entire month's worth of, uh, worth of revenues that, that the publisher would have gotten from the AdSense program. Um, the... The Google AdSense leak went on to mention a number of other deceptive business practices Google was said to be practicing. Now, again, I freaked out about this the moment I saw it. So I, I went and I uh, wrote as many people as I could, including, uh, including Google itself, and almost unanimously from AdWords and AdSense experts from other SEOs and from uh, from Google itself, and Google would obviously see this, um, that was complete BS. That was completely bogus. But what, what struck me was how many people wanted to believe it was true. Well, there's, there's hundreds or thousands of complaints out there of people saying that their account is shut down, they, they don't get any money out of it, and they have no recourse. So whether there's something hinky going on or not, there's still the fact that they have no recourse. So they're never told or given a reason why it happened. Um, we're just to trust Google that the money goes back to the advertisers because it's not supposed to stay with them. Um, and But there's no transparency there whatsoever. Okay, so this memo may or may not be true, but it does hearken to problems that Google really does have. And you know, I just, there was, sorry, Christine, go ahead. I was just going to say, no, just real quick. It really happens. I know, actually, personally, um, a, a couple of people that it's happened to, with no apparent reason for why they were shut down, they weren't frauding, they weren't doing anything against terms of service, and they're given no answers, and there's nobody, as Miranda said, to offer recourse. So that lack of transparency, I definitely agree with. It's definitely a problem. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it definitely happens. I just think that this guy's full of crap. I don't know. I just like this. Okay, are we done? this particular memo. <laughs> I, I think we are. That's that's the fuck. This particular memo is full of crap. But again, it harkens to issues that Google has. 
I'd love to round out this topic, but I don't think we're going to get a chance. That was the hook. Um, so, friends, on behalf of Miranda Miller from Miranda-Miller.com, not that other Miranda Miller site, but the real <laughs> Miranda-Miller.com, and Kristen Sashinger from The Vetters, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned. we got more great stuff coming up after these messages. And next week, we're going to be broadcasting live from the Click Live Conference in Toronto. Stay tuned to Webmaster Radio. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.